We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cosmic being. We found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand through the cover as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that we can cut with violence and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. Welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month we drink coffee and talk cults and fringe religious groups from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners, as it contains strong language and graphic or disturbing content. So, here we go. Uh, New episode, new group. Um, I have to check a particular page to make sure that I pronounce this one. correctly for you. Uh, So we're going to be looking at uh, the Agapemini, or the Agapemonites, also known as the Abode of Love, or usefully, for my purposes, they refer to themselves and to their location as the A. The A. Which is much easier. I presumably wasn't the only person to struggle with that. They live right in the A. Yep, they are the A. They live in the A. Let you draw whatever uh, conclusions you can from that sentence. Great. So, um, we're going to go back in time, Sam. Ooh. We're going to go Victorian-y. Uh, we're you gonna... love a Victorian cult. I do. I'm doing like one modern, one Victorian. That's like going to be it. my pattern. Um, so, in fact, we're going to go to 1850 for the founding of this English religious community. Cool. Um, they were founded by... Uh, Two men, Henry James Price, um, and then later a little bit Samuel Starkey. Uh, Their followers were known variously as the Lampeter Brethren, the Princites, um, the Community of the Son of Man, the Children of the Resurrection, the Agapemonites, or the A. Let's call them the A. Yeah, so we'll be doing that from now on. At their peak, they had several hundred members. And it's one of those groups that flourished in the Victorian period after, Sam, the repeal of the Test and Corporations Act in 1828, which meant that nonconformists, people who weren't part of the mainstream conformist church, could hold public office. So because that suddenly that uh, act was repealed... Suddenly, you could hold public office if you were a nonconformist. Cool. So that really helped. So for lots of these groups that we've looked at and will look at, that's part of the reason there was a big explosion, because it was suddenly much more easier for them. I see. They were famous for uh, holding all their goods in common, for their practice of spiritual wifery. Spiritual wifery? Which we'll get to later on. I'm sure we will. Mm -hmm. Um. And they were, uh, they've been described as one of the most notorious religious establishments of the 19th century. Ooh, Ooh. notorious. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, we're going to start with their founder, Henry James Prince. Okay. Uh, Hence Prince Sites. Yep. Okay. So he was born in 1811 in Bath, uh, in Somerset. Uh, in the UK. He was the youngest son, Sam, of a West Indian plantation owner. Oh. Um, and his mother later was compensated when slavery was ended there. So she got 
Oh. Here's some compensation for not being able to have slaves anymore. Oh, piss off. Um, so that was the family. Uh, his father died when he was quite young, and he was raised by his mother in Bath. Um, uh, but there was somebody else living in the house, Sam. They Is had it God? <laughs> in many ways. Uh, they had a lodger called Martha. Oh. Um, who was, it seems, about the same age as his mother. Okay. Um, she was a devout Catholic, and she had a big effect on Henry supposedly when he was growing up about like a profound dedicated religious idea okay although effectively he was um i guess church of england or right yeah mainstream um so he decides that he's going to study medicine uh he went to guy's hospital to study medicine he graduated in 1832 um, and he got a job as medical officer at the general hospital in bath but actually what he did basically was run the health apothecary so he was an apothecary, which oh, is a cool oh. job title that I wish still existed in the NHS, because that would be a fun job title to have. I'm sure you could still be an apothecary now. It's very Maybe Harry you, Potter, isn't you it? You don't see that title anymore, do you? Let's fat, let Sam let's set up an apothecary. That will be one of our spin-offs of this to podcast. They definitely do. For for our international and even British listeners who don't know about Totnes, uh, Totnes is a small uh, town near us which uh, their street signs have the caption underneath uh, Totnes twinned with Narnia. Yes. And they're famous for uh, having a very open, spiritually open population. It's a bit like yes. a mini Devon Glastonbury, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Um, it's nice. I wasn't putting it's it lovely. No. Totnes. It's great. Uh, so in 1835, he has to leave that job. He resigns from that job because of his poor health. Oh, ironic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Damn it, apothecary. Apothecary, apothecary yourself. <laughs> like physician heal Take yourself. Take apothecary of yourself. Way. So um, at this time, he experienced a call to the Anglican ministry. Uh, while recovering from a life-threatening operation as part of this illness. Very little detail on what that illness was. Okay. But at that point, he has some kind of religious experience and is called to become an Anglican uh, minister. So in March 1836, he enters St. David's College, Lampeter, to study theology. Okay. Um, and and he begins studying and studying uh theology in different ways around this time he converted martha the catholic um to his own beliefs his own anglican beliefs and he marries her in 1838 this much older you know independent uh woman there's a huge age difference and that causes a little bit of a it's the first time that something that he does causes a little bit of a stir wow mummy's boy yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, so that happens. He's still studying um, at this college. And while he's there, he becomes the leader of an ultra-pious Calvinist prayer group. Um, so the Calvinists are a particular sort of reform of Protestantism following John uh, Calvin. Um, and so he, he becomes the leader of this group known as the Lampeter uh, Brethren and starts collecting followers his reputation is that he's this really kind of charismatic guy he's kind of unorthodox he's kind of mixing stuff up um and he gets a reputation um as being a real troublemaker 
with the university authorities. Ooh. So one of the things this prayer group used to do supposedly was like they were really against drink um, and things like that. So when the provost of the college would be doing like a toast with sherry at a formal university event, one of the things Henry did was like run up and knock the sherry out of his hand and smash it against the wall. Oh, what a novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's kind of a, sounds like he's a bit of a buzzkill. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Um, well, he's the leader of an ultra pious group, so yeah. Yeah, so they um, so they cause quite a bit of trouble, um, which is interesting because the Anglicans are supposedly one of the sort of less dogmatic, yeah, Christian groups. Um, but I suppose the thing that appeals to him is this idea of finding your own interpretation of scripture. You okay. can find your own way. So that's his training. Pretty much, it feels like they're sort of relieved when he yeah. graduates and when he's gone. Yeah. Um, and he gets his first appointment. Uh, he's sent there by the Bishop of Bath and Wells. Ooh. Which is just funny if anyone's ever seen the British uh, sitcom Blackadder. Oh, right. Which famously in its Elizabethan <laughs> series has the baby eating Bishop of Bath and Wells. So that's how I always imagine that person. I have not watched Blackadder. <gasps> oh, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, so, oh, well, that's what we're doing after after this episode's been recorded. Um so he gets a job uh, appointed by the bishop um, in June 1840. He becomes the curate of a Somerset parish uh, called uh, Charlinch. Okay. Is a curate the kind of custodian of the church? He's sort of like second in command, basically, to the rector. So he can okay. lead services and he can sort of run parts of the church, but he's not quite like the main I see. guy. I think. Curates, write in. As I'm sure you can tell, I'm not religious, which is why I'm asking all these questions. And I, yeah, I know virtually nothing about church organisation. That's pretty much how it runs, I think. But in this church, Sam, that's not a problem because the rector, the Reverend Samuel Starkey, who has um, an amazing name, Samuel Starkey. Sam is a very good, strong name. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's been absent for some time because of ill health. Um, and basically, he's not around. He's hanging out in the Isle of Wight, being ill. Oh, but the Isle of Wight's nice. <laughs> well, you can understand why. Yeah. Um, but that means there isn't a reverend running, so the curate appointment there, he's got his own church. Okay. So he can he can do uh, what he likes. It's kind of a small congregation. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't, for the first sort of year or so, he doesn't really make much of an impression. He's giving these sermons... It seems that he's teaching slightly off the orthodoxy a little bit, Should but it's a small parish. Yeah, nobody really knows about it. Nobody's really excited about it Right. at this point. Even though these sermons he's giving are, quote, calculated to arouse the conscience as well as enlighten the mind. Ooh, I like his aroused conscience. <laughs> yes, Ooh. All of these little Victorians sat in their wooden pews going, Oh, my conscience has been around. I can't show you my ankles, but my conscience is right on it. <laughs> so he's doing these sermons, but it's not really making much impact. But they are getting published and mm. disseminated a little bit. They're sort of getting out okay. and about. Um, and so one of the places they get to is the Isle of Wight. Um, and the Reverend Samuel... I'm going to do a lot of R rolling in this episode, apparently. Like the Reverend Samuel... Starkey, who's living in the Isle of Wight, reads this sermon from a curate that he doesn't really know anything about. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he reads it and he's like, wow, this is amazing. It's not only full of grace, but it's full of God. Um, and he describes that the sermon fell on his soul, ouch, uh, like rain on a thirsty glebe. Say that one more time. It fell on his soul, Sam, like rain on a thirsty glebe. Which is like a type of field, isn't it? I think I didn't actually look up what a glebe is. Sounds like an excellent euphemism. Oh, she's got a thirsty glebe. <laughs> I'm sure I've told you this before. I don't know if this is appropriate. We can decide whether to edit out or not. But one of the horrific experiences I had of a student of like macho, straight boy culture um, was being in this a... when you were teaching. No, 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 this is when I was a student. Uh, I was being in the in the gents at a club um, and hearing these two guys talk and one guy go, God, there's a lot of hungry beaver in here tonight, mate. Yeah. Thirsty glebes and hungry beavers. <laughs> is that your new band? <laughs> you know it is, Sam. Copyright. Copyright, John Nash, 2018. Um, so he's like, really, this sermon that he reads has a really profound effect on him even a curative effect to his illness. For he says, so he's sort of on his deathbed. Mm. That's sort of the image that you get, that this old, you know, reverend is like on death's door, hanging out on his deathbed in the Isle of Wight, waiting for the Isle of Wight festival to happen, waiting for... (laughs) What else happens in the Isle of Wight? Um... Oh, you go for nice walks. When I went to the Isle of Wight, I made one of those like empty plastic plastic containers full of different colours of sand. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's nice. In the um, shape of a teddy bear. I went there once to support a a wind turbine factory that was that being is shut much down. more honourable than my sand. No, bit. no, it's fine. It's good. I just thought that's the only thing I know about. So he's hanging out, watching the ferry go by, uh, watching um, wind turbines be made <laughs> in eighteen whatever. Um, and suddenly, Sam, as he reads this, I'll do my old uh, Victorian voice. Strength came back to my limbs, and in a few weeks after that call from a dying bed, I was at Charlinch in my curate's arms. So he hadn't even noticed that it was his curate. Oh. But he read it, went, who the hell is this? He probably didn't say that. Who is this? Um, finds out that it's his own curate in his parish. And he goes, I have to go there. I have to go and meet this wow. guy. Great. Um, so meanwhile, at the church, it's now sort of autumn, 1841, um, and Prince is mixing stuff up. He's doing lectures during the week. He's doing prayer meetings outside of services. And he's starting to really sort of preach his unorthodox um, beliefs. Um, but unorthodox still within the Anglican realms? enough within those beliefs for now so at some point while he's preaching he becomes mute and is unable to speak oh awkward um and somehow i don't know how because he was mute begs for prayers from the congregation to free his tongue um and news spreads in the local area of the dumb parson okay I was going to do an impression of someone going mute, but it's not very good podcasting, is it? No. <laughs> Let's just do that for you now, listener. So famously, that's what's happening. Um, and news spreads. Some people come because they're really interested to find out what's what's going on, what's sort of struck yeah. in mute. Lots of people come, presumably, to take the piss. But suddenly, like one day after a period of being mute in 
so about a month later in November, suddenly he stops being mute. The prayers have worked, Sam, and he gives this amazing sermon. That's so convenient. Isn't it? Once the, you know, crowd numbers have sort of picked up a bit. Yeah. Um, and he give, preaches a sermon, quote, searching as fire, heavy as a hammer, and sharper than a two-edged sword. Wow. That's sharp, I hear. So it must be pretty good. Um, it's it said that when people heard it, the men dropped their heads to their chests. Mm, yep. Good head dropping there. Thank you. Uh, women sobbed. <laughs> um, and children were overcome by feelings of distress. So that starts to happen. There's this kind of hysterical reaction okay. from the crowd. Um, and as part of that, then what Prince starts doing, and there's not much detail, but he's sort of acting as if he's possessed. So he's throwing himself around the church, right. supposedly um, channeling the Holy Spirit, and really just sort of chucking Speaking himself around. And, yeah. yeah, I guess like a yeah, some kind of version of that. Um, so it suddenly is like, wow, this really weird, crazy thing where this guy's you know being affected by the Holy Spirit mm. um, in Somerset um, is happening, um, and as a result. The congregation slowly starts to grow. So between then and February, like 60 new believers are communicated or brought or converted to his particular brand of Christianity. Okay. And that's quite a lot of people considering there was no media to kind of yeah. disseminate Yeah, and it's, it's basically this small village church in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Okay. Um, so Starkey, the reverend, also converts. Okay, yep. And becomes his deputy. Oh, little role reversal. Yeah. So it's like, no, okay, I'm going to be your follower now because okay. I think you're great. Wow. Um, and so he starts making changes to his community now that he's running. Mm. The first change he makes is that he uh, divides the men and the women. So they have separate services and separate groups. Right. They don't hang out together. That happens in other large religions too. Yep. That's not strange, right? No, not necessarily. Um, he also has separate services and groups for the people who are saved uh. because they've accepted him and his particular view and the people who are currently damned but could okay. be saved. So that practice of separating the men and the women, mm -hmm. starting to separate the sort of the goodies and the baddies within his own congregation, that upsets some people. I'm sure it The does. parish becomes a bit divided yeah. um, about how they feel about him. Um, it, it is said that um, wives threaten to leave their husbands, husbands threaten to leave or murder their wives because of this sort of tension that's being put in place between them being divided and played off against each other. Yeah. And worst of all, Sam... The local gentry feel alienated from his. Oh, practice. poor gentry! Um, oh, they have it so difficult. So this is, you know, a time and a culture where, like, within country churches, if you're the gentry, if you're the, which means like the sort of the rich people, the landowners, Lovely. you get the prime seats, separate from everybody else. You get special consideration, but that's not happening. They're finding themselves divided or pushed into different groups. So they're right. They're kind of annoyed about it. So they complain. 
about what's going on in their parish. Um, and that's that, a strongly worded letter. Yeah, I, almost certainly. Yeah. Um, so by May um, of 1842, the bishop dismisses them both. Oh. Prince and Starkey, that's not your job anymore. Okay. They haven't been thrown out of the church, but that appointment, that's not your job anymore. Right. That's not your parish. Um, and he, he dismisses them on the grounds that um, Prince had visited people in parishes other than his own. Because he's also sort of doing that like hedge preacher thing and just going mm-hmm. around chatting to other people. So that's one of his uh, offences. Um, he also had admitted lots of children to his... So like, of the those 60 believers that were communicated or sort of converted at the time, like 20 of those are people not young enough to have been confirmed ah, in the normal way. Like um, the Pied Piper of Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 Jesus. Do, 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 do. Prayer. Do, 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 do. <laughs> You're welcome, listener. Um, so it's described here that he had admitted children to the Lord's table who had not been confirmed. And also, he had recommended several respectable people to remain away from it. So for some of okay. these gentry, he'd gone, nah, bruv, it's not, not for you. you. Mm. So um, all of those were seen as being a poor show <laughs> um, right. as, as somebody running a church. So he lost that job. But he's still in the church. They're still publishing some of his books and some of his Through um, the church. sermons. Yeah, okay. it seems. Um, so for a while... He becomes like a freelance preacher. All right. So he's going around doing his own so that's thing. That's title that a lot of people could just take. Yeah, know? yeah. And it's around the time when it starts to be able for you to sort of set up your own chapel here and there. Yeah. So for some of those independent chapels, like he'll come and be the guest guy, I guess. Okay. Right. Um, to tell you about that. Um, and at that time, sadly, uh, Martha, being older, dies. Ah. Rest in peace, Martha. Um, and very quickly after that, he marries the rector's sister, Julia. Okay. Who also, being the sister of this elderly deathbed reverend, oh. is a much older lady of independent means. Um, who okay. has, you know, lots of her own money and is an elderly woman. And that also causes a little bit of a, you know, like scandal that he's married the elderly sister of the... Reverend. What? Some people like an yeah, person. Yeah, no, but yeah. for that Victorian kind of, that seems like yeah. not great behaviour for a Not necessarily someone you can procreate with. <laughs> <laughs> He's not yet bothered about uh, procreation. Um, so he's already sort of attracting more and more sort of scandal in the way that he um, behaves, but the the plus for him of poor old Martha passing away is that he inherits all of her money. Mm-hmm. And now he also has a new wife who's elderly and has lots of money and income and independent financial resource okay. herself. Draw your own conclusions from that. Yes, draw. <laughs> Briefly, he gets a new parish and placement in Suffolk somewhere. Lovely. But very quickly, he is... Expelled from that. I see. Yeah. Job again for slightly not again. We don't quite know what, but slightly unorthodox preaching, mm-hmm. um, and people aren't very happy with that. So he's kicked out, booted again. Got it. Um, by eighteen forty three, he's 
and I question this piece of information that I'm going to relay now. Um, he's in Brighton preaching sermons about the second coming on the sands, is the quote. But if anyone's been to the beaches of Brighton, they not have the sand, they have the pebbles. But that's supposedly what he's doing. And his preaching is becoming a little bit more, you know, second coming. Right. Apocalyptic. Yes. That's starting to happen. Um, he takes over a chapel there and does a bit of preaching. A Church of England chapel? or a... Yeah, yeah, so an Anglican yeah. chapel. Um, meanwhile, Starkey's preaching in Weymouth. Okay, cool. Same kind of, he's sort of still a follower of Prince. Yeah. Still teaching his particular view, but he's doing it somewhere As else. they're spreading out. Yeah. Now, he does okay in Brighton, but there are lots of groups and congregations. Mm. His is still quite small. Recruitment's kind of difficult. Starkey seems to be doing better in Weymouth. Right. So he moves, particularly because in Brighton he's sort of losing followers on a regular basis. Yeah. So he decides he's going to head back across the country. West. To sort of, yeah, uh, that area. By this point, his followers are referring to him as Beloved or The Lamb or the beloved lamb, <laughs> which is the best kind of lamb. Yeah. And he's told people that um, he's not just a good preacher. In fact, uh, he reveals to them that the Holy Spirit has become incarnate in him. Oh, ding, 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 ding. It was a red flag. Uh, replacing his sinful self with a divine one. Oh, that's nice. And that therefore everything he says isn't him now saying it, it's, the, it's directly from God. The Holy Trinity speaking yeah. through him. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the end of the world is coming. Judgment is imminent. Yep. So it's time to get ready. And God has appointed him to decide who is saved and who is damned right. on earth. So that's what he's doing. Um, at this point, lots of his followers are like, no, <laughs> no, naughty prince, that's not true. We're out of here. Cool. But others stay and are really persuaded. And he slowly starts to build more followers. They tend to be lots of elderly, unmarried women. Right. For whatever yeah. reason. I guess it's similar to some of the other groups we've talked about where there are lots of sort of independent women who are looking for something a bit different but also if, if that's his sexual preference it might be the sort of people he's guiding his sermons towards um, he certainly seems to be charming the oaps so. yes so um they have there are a few chapels that are sort of opened that are sympathetic to him and that he goes around um sort of teaching at mm -hmm. um but they decide that they need something a bit more permanent um, and so he's starting to build up money. He's got his inheritance from Martha. Yeah. Um, he's got his... His new wife with her independence. Julia's money. Julia. I was just looking for her name. Oh. Um, and at the same time, he persuades three wealthy spinsters, the best kind of spinster, um, the Nottage sisters, um, to spiritually marry members of his entourage. Right. Uh, so that's like a particular a kind of spiritual marriage, marriage that he performs within his group okay um and as a result of that it's described slightly differently um but either they give to him or that means because he's there then really part of his group um that he has access control to uh eighteen thousand pounds worth of shares and holdings which then is a 
great deal of money. Yeah. So they've got big sort of bankroll cash yeah. now between his money and the money from these elderly women who are sort of donating or handing their money wow. over. Okay. So as he's stockpiling all of this money, they have a meeting. Oh. So imagine, Sam, you've just joined this group and it's like, oh, there's an important meeting happening. It's happening at this hotel in Weymouth. Uh, they they think the Royal Hotel, Weymouth listeners. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, and in January 1846, um, he announces, um, so here's a quote from one of the people at the meeting. Um, he announces that Jesus had left the mercy seat, mm. that the door of mercy was shut, and that therefore sinners could no longer be saved through the intercession of Jesus. Okay, so the mercy seat and the mercy door are gone, and now sinners are screwed. But it gladdened his heart to think that those before him, his followers, were safely shut up in the kingdom of heaven. Interesting phrasing. Yeah. Um, Whilst others were left to the outer darkness. Okay, right. So the people he was preaching to are already in heaven. They are the saved. Yeah. Because he's been separating people into the saved and the damned. Um, So although nobody else is going to get saved now... Because the end of time is really near. Yeah. He's well chuffed that his followers are are going to be okay. Right. Um, and that, therefore, the Son of Man was about to come, that the world was in its latest day, that mm-hmm. the godly few were being chosen from the mass, and that the wicked many were about to perish in the penal fires. Oh, penal fires. Mm. Sounds uncomfortable. (laughs) Presumably as in like prisons and the penal colonies rather than willy fires. (laughs) But maybe both. I don't know what Satan's... Can that be our first merch? (laughs) If you'd like the phrase willy fires on a t-shirt... Please let us know. (laughs) Please write in. Um, So they close uh, the chapels, they stop running those um, and he decides that Possessions are meaningless, Sam. So if you're part of his group, you need to either sell them and give him the money, mm. or they all go into like communal, the communal pot, and everybody will own them okay. together. So they have all of this money as a result of that sale and everything else. Yeah. So they buy two acres of land okay. in Spaxton, Somerset. Spaxton, like it. Spaxton, yeah. um, which is supposed to be like a sacred area for them because... Like, just round the corner is where he had one of his first religious revelations. Okay. Supposedly. Um, so they there's a house, big house there, and they build onto it. And the cottages around it. And they build this mansion, which they call the Abode of Love. <laughs> which presumably they mean in a very pious, the Abode of Love. Uh, a Jesus-y way, yeah. but which, knowing where this story is going, oh. might well be the, the abode. abode of love. So, welcome, Sam. Welcome, listeners, to where? The Abode of Love. There are 18 bedrooms here. Um, That's all we need. <laughs> mm, there's a private chapel. Ah. And cottages, they're waiting for the second coming. The second coming. (laughs) Um, And around the outside, nothing to worry about. There's a 15 foot high wall, um, and the whole site is guarded by 
bloodhounds and I'm just going to show you a... <laughs> oh, just casually. A boat of love, 15 foot walk, bloodhounds. Um, so it looks like... Okay, so... Um... I was expecting a photograph, but of course not. Oh, there are some photographs. Are there? So this is a drawing. Okay. And you can see there's the chapel, the main house, and then all of these big houses around it. That looks nice. You That's can see the wall. this huge wall. Um, the caption for this um, is great. So okay. a view. We're gonna post this on our Instagram. Yep. Um, a view of the house um, from the Illustrated London News, uh, one of the most notorious religious establishments in the 19th century. The engraving shows his carriage leaving the uh, Agapemini high-walled grounds preceded by the bloodhounds which guarded the community from the attentions of the curious wow so you can see him sort of riding out yeah um and it's this huge <gasps> wow yeah oh gosh that's beautiful i bet that's still there yes i think it's all been put up into separate houses and things now that looks a um, bit like um the grounds of the first drama school i went to <laughs> oh really yeah hopefully not the same uh place and there's this big no. chapel okay um yeah. There, here's a nice uh, drawing from the time of them sort of hanging out in the grounds. If we ever release a coffee and cult colouring book, John. <laughs> <laughs> it is this amazing sort of pencil drawing, and there are people playing, um, I don't know, some kind of rudimentary hoop and stick. golf hoop and stick sort of thing. Uh, there's this coach. Is it again. croquet or hockey or something? Yeah, there are these bloodhounds running around. Um, yeah. but everyone oh, looks... that is a lovely. When you look on the Instagram, in the top right-hand corner is the best drawing of a dog I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> is he lying down? Is he bouncing? Is he levitating? Who can say? <laughs> um, so there are, yeah, there are these huge sort of grounds. This beautiful. really beautiful setting. Yeah. So they're in their house. They have a chapel. Okay. So they've built this purpose-built religious community. Mm -hmm. um, supposedly, they say at different times, there are between like, 100 and 500 people. Wow. That might just be the total number of followers because yeah. anyone who visits there basically says it looks like there's about 70 to 100 people at different right. times. Yeah. Living together, following him, and he is, again, it's sort of super controlled by him and you regularly have lectures and talks from him. Yeah. Lots of the sort of men-women divide stuff is still going on. Um Mm -hmm. And they've they've built this community, and it's, it seems on one level fairly, as you would expect. Yeah. Um, but can you guess what features heavily in the design and um, aesthetic and in the rooms? What essential sort of item or thing there is in this religious community, Sam? What essential thing? Big crosses. No. Nope. Crucif. No. Uh, lots of prayer cushions. No. Nope. Although there are supposedly lovely cushions, we'll come to that. The abode of love, beds, mm. many beds. No, billiard tables. Oh, yeah, sure, billiard Popular tables. tabletop ball game, sort of similar to snooker and pool, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, it's bigger though, isn't it? Billiards yeah. is huge. Um, so billiards feature really heavily in the design and decor of the house and the chapel. Of course. Um, and in the centre of the chapel, there is a huge billiards table. In the chapel? Yep. God loves billiards. Mm. So uh, later on um, in the story, a journalist called William Dixon comes to visit yeah. after basically sending a letter going, Hey, Lord God on Earth, mind if I come and check out your pad? Yeah. Um, and this is how he describes being in the chapel. 
So this is him in the chapel. Um, I'll do another Victorian man voice for you. Excellent. Lounging on a red sofa near a bright fire, in the coloured light of high lancet windows filled with rich stained glass, soft cushions beneath my feet, a billiard table on my right hand, church furniture in oak and brass about me, and above my head the sacred symbol of lamb and dove, flanked and supported by a rack of billiard cues. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's like, he's super into billiards, it would seem. So we get the feeling that Prince sorry, just loves billiards and God and wanted to find a way to bring them together. Yeah. And it feels like now he's gone, the world is ending. It's like they've created this beautiful leisure haven for themselves so yeah so mostly people aren't allowed out mostly you stay in there all the time all your property's held in common you're following his endless doctrine um and one of the reports says uh, they have converted the chapel into a banqueting house and they substitute feasting and enjoyment for privation and prayer which like i'm not against okay as as ways go in a in a chapel at least Yeah. yeah Um, and he starts taking more control over his followers' lives. So apart from making of them course. play billiards all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what, really again, good, Henry? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, and you just have to put your 50p down on the edge of the <laughs> table to play. Don't know why I found that funny. So his supporters are supposed, Sam, to renounce carnal desire. In the abode of love. In order to advance the extinction of humanity. So it's like the world's ending, don't need babies anymore, so no shagging, please. And these spiritual marriages, spiritual wifery, those are supposed to be very chaste. Okay. Sex-free, joy-free, spiritual marriages. Some general marriages. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But that's sort of the rule. Um, Now, the Nottage sisters... Yeah as you will remember, all have this kind of spiritual marriage. I'm picturing them like the the three fates in Hercules. That's what I'm picturing. (laughs) That's fine, yeah. Yeah. So they're not so happy with the fact that now everybody is banned from sex and carnal enjoyment. They don't like Can you guess who isn't forbidden from that, Sam? Is it Mr Prince? He can do as he likes, because he is the spirit of God made flesh. Oh, good. Right. That's a surprise. But does that mean Julia is also allowed to have sex, or...? I guess so. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, the eldest of the sisters, Agnes... Yeah. She's not keen on that. Um, yeah. And she starts to criticise him um, oh, no, about that. Um, her, there's a fourth Nottage sister, Louisa, who wants to join, who's like, Hi, I'm... It's my Victorian woman voice. I'm really sorry. Hi, I want to come and join. And Agnes sends her a letter going, don't. don't, Yeah. Basically. And the group find out about that. So they're not very happy about that. Okay. Also, rumour has it that she was pregnant, which again was frowned upon. Louisa. Uh, Agnes Uh, Agnes. was pregnant, which is like, no, no, no. Chaste marriage only with your husband. Bad. So... For those, all of those reasons, she's sort of being ostracised by the group and she's desperate that her little sister doesn't come and join. Oh, poor Agnes. But Louisa does. 
Oh, silly Louisa. She comes, she joins, she's well into it. Yeah. Agnes, however, has been kicked out. Okay, so for being bring a one bad sister person. in, kick one out. Yeah, you've got to always have three, Sam. <laughs> That's what you need to remember for your religious group. Two Nottage sisters is not, not enough. enough. Five, too many. Okay. So you've got to... Get the correct balance there. I yep. see, got it. Um, so she goes home to her mother, Emily, and says, this is not a group you mm. want our... Yeah. people involved in we need to do something about this so perhaps oh, there's also cool. other stuff going on because if it's just yeah. chaste spiritual wifery and it's a bit weird but she's like, like really adamant like young louisa don't come here oh okay so um emily's son edmund ed a nottage brother mm-hmm. yeah uh her nephew edward yeah so ed and ed um and, and eddie their no. son-in-law <laughs> No, can you guess? Eddie. I want it to be Eddie so they can... It's not. It's Fred. So it's Ed, Ed and Fred. (laughs) Ed and Fred. Okay. Um, They decide they're going to get Louisa back. Yay! So they head down to Spaxton. They break into the abode of love. (laughs) And they kidnap Louisa for her own good and take her away and lock her in their house in London. Okay. So it's like one of the earliest versions of families... Kidnapping someone from a cult group yeah. and trying to deprogram them. Yeah, okay. Cool. Which is bonkers, but also kind of. You've just kidnapped your family member from yeah. the religious group that they've funny just about joined. Deprogramming, isn't there? Where it's like, oh, but this person is still grown up and they can still make their own choices. Yeah. Can we kidnap them? Um, so, obviously, it's the Victorian period, Sam, and a woman is doing something people don't agree with. So, can you guess what happens to her? Oh, is she killed? Is she stoned to death? Is she no. sent to a nunnery? Close. Um, she's declared insane and oh, she's put into Moorcroft House Asylum. I should have guessed. Yeah. Yeah. As happened so much when women were, I don't know, reading or speaking out or yeah. doing anything. Put them in an asylum. Um, so she's been locked up there. She's kind of a badass, though, although, you know, she's part of this group. So a year and a half later, she's been secretly in touch with um, this other reverend who's part of the group. And so she escapes from the asylum, <gasps> meets this reverend, William um, Cobb, uh, in a hotel in London, mm-hmm. and is ready to plan her dramatic escape. But she's captured again. By the asylum or by the Nottages? By the asylum, I think, and the Nottages. And she's put back into the asylum. But because that's happened, they now know where she is. They've got proof that she doesn't want to be there and has been put back in. Mm -hmm. So Henry and the, the A take them to apply to something again it's a great title if only it existed now the lunacy commission okay yeah (laughs) um so they go to the lunacy commission and say she's being held against her will she's not insane let her go she's been kidnapped by her family and, and put in here all right so they rule that she's sane And they release her from the asylum. They go, the judge basically goes, yeah, you've got some weird religious beliefs. Yeah, this group is, and in terms of the reputation of the group, it's like, yeah, this group sounds a bit nutty. Yeah. And a bit not great. But that's no reason for you to be in an asylum. So well done, Victorian judge. Yeah. And she's free from the asylum. She sues her family for abduction and false imprisonment. (gasps) 
Wow. Wins that case. Oh my goodness. Gets loads of money and goes straight back to live in the abode of love. Um, where she lives until her death, I guess, for a very long time. Oh, okay. She's then back in. Um, wow. There's some very strange dissonant thoughts going on in my head. It's really hard to know how yeah. to feel about any of that. Yeah. Because clearly she's so into this group. Clearly her family and other previous members are really worried about her being there. Yeah. But it's also not right that she should be in asylum and it's also not right that she was kidnapped. Um, I mean, it's like a film, isn't it? That little section is like a really... That's kind of dramatic, huh? Yeah. Um, So Prince is like, yeah. So uh, he also gets Agnes's spiritual husband, who's still in the group, Mr. Thomas, to sue Agnes for custody of her child. So she was pregnant when she left. She's had the child. It's like, no, he's ours. Her Uh. spiritual husband should have custody. Give us that child back. It goes to court. Again, the court are like, the theology and practices of this group are not great. Again, it's hard to get all the detail, but they're pretty concerned. And Agnes wins. And she gets sole custody of their child because they go, this is not a community that children should should be in. Great, good, fine. So again, it's kind of real mixed. It's a, a real rare supporting of women as well <coughs> in Victorian times. Yeah. That's okay, cool. So I'm just adjusting my seat. On. Up until now, there are only some sort of hints that there's weird stuff going on. Yeah. Then we get to 1856, the year the group the becomes year. infamous. Okay. Um, so you'll remember from earlier that Henry Price is the Holy Spirit made flesh I remember mm. so um, as part of that and nobody else is allowed sexy time yeah he decides what he really needs to do is impregnate a virgin mm-hmm. who would not become physically pregnant as a result but would instead give birth to the spirit of the new messiah that's just a funny fart. <laughs> Maybe. Again, it's weirdly spirit. like the Panacea Society where it's like, oh, she's going to give birth, but it's not going to be a real baby. It's yeah. going to be like a spirit. This weird kind of, yeah, it's going to be really carnal, but also it's going to have a yeah. floaty spiritual. Okay. So you've got this amazing set of grounds, 18 bedrooms, yeah, cottages, the chapel, meeting rooms. You've got this huge place, Sam. Um mm-hmm. And you've got all these people around you. So um, you have to find out where this is going to happen. So just while I describe the next bit, I want you to think about where the best place for that magical spiritual ceremony to take place would be. Okay. Based on everything we've talked about. Okay, okay. So he's searching around his group for who this lucky virgin is going to be. And he decides it's going to be 16-year-old Zoe Patterson. Oh, poor Zoe. Um. And he's going to have this event, which... (laughs) Don't you love it when men big themselves up? This sexual encounter is going to be the Grand Manifestation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How was was sex with with Henry Prince last night? Oh, Uh, it was a grand (laughs) manifestation. Oh, dear. So, um, So he has sex with Zoe... Spiritual sex because he doesn't want her to become really pregnant or real actual actual sex, sex but okay. it's not gonna. But because he's the Holy Spirit, even though it's real sex, 
and real semen, it's going to result in this spiritual pregnancy. So he has sex with her. So he... Proper, a doctor. Proper, actual sex with this 16-year-old. Where do you think he has this sex, Sam? Uh, on the billiards table. You are so right. No! He has sex with her. <laughs> on t- This is the bit that I read and I went, no, I have to tell this story. On top of the billiard table, while the whole congregation watch oh. and sing hymns. <laughs> All things bright and beautiful, <laughs> all creatures great and small. Ball in pocket three. I don't know what the rules of billions are. <laughs> it's it's the we're joking now. This kind of for lots of people is a stretch too far. Oh yeah, I, that's insanely traumatic. A that he's forcing this sixteen-year-old girl to have sex with him. Mm. She's described by some of the onlookers. Um, that she's it's almost like she's hypnotised or in a trance or like out of it she's um, really shocked that this is the way she's losing her virginity yep. to someone she's so married to some of the, lots of people leave at this point lots of people yeah. accuse him of rape yeah I mean even if she said yes I'm up for this she's 16 she's he's her religious leader yeah it's in pub- there's like loads of reasons yeah. why it is rape regardless of whether on a bit of paper she said yes yeah it's pretty horrendous Everybody's around sit it's just the ghost of Henry Prince is in the room. Zoe Patterson was saying thank you for avenging my yeah. rape. Um so everyone is pretty shocked by this. Loads of people leave. Mm-hmm. Um even more rumours start flying around about what's really going on in the abode of love. Um they say that he's preaching sermons naked. Um that this is my favourite quote of the whole thing, that he had <clears throat> quote Women arranged on a special type of wheel. And I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Is that not clear, Sam? He had women arranged on a special kind of wheel. Oh, God. And spun around. And then it's a bit like Wheel of Fortune. And then. And then the woman that ends up nearest to him becomes his spiritual bride for a week. Okay. We don't well, know. Can they just draw it out of a hat? <laughs> no, because you have to, it has to be women on a wheel. Yeah. Oh, it's Maud. Oh, it's Jill. Um, hi, Mum. By the way, my mum's name's Jill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hi, Jill. It's, it, it won't be you. Um, so this, lots of these rumours then about what's really going on here. Yeah. Um, with this sort of spiritual wifery come out. Um, now, oh. would you believe what happens next? Probably not, John. So Zoe is pregnant dun, dun, dun. with a real human baby, yes, not a spiritual baby. Because that is how biology works. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Henry's like, oh, the devil must have interfered somehow. Um, that's a shame. Um, so Zoe gives birth to this child who they call Eve. Okay. Evil or Eve the supposed first lady it's sort of, of it's sort of unclear so presumably it's after eve yeah. in the bible um and you know there's an idea that sort of this child is sort of the result of the devil but the child is also not you know treated as a bad person okay, or a bad good. thing henry keeps doing his thing after this members really start leaving now and going this is not cool like if if you've got your spiritual wife yeah it's a bit like we were talking about last episode with people being you know, told to split up and and have new marriages. Yeah. Well, presumably your spiritual wife at any time might go around on the wheel. 
and you become know, Henry's yeah. spiritual And if wife. this is the sexual stuff that we know is going on, yeah. who knows what else was was happening up to this point. Um, so he keeps going. Um, in 1862, he sends letters to world leaders announcing that he's abolished death. Oh, handy. Yeah, that's good. No. That's right. There was another society that weren't allowed to die, wasn't there? Yeah. Was it Octavia? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she wasn't. They weren't going to die, and she wasn't going to die. He was the same thing. It's like, yeah, we're end of times is coming. We're all immortal now. It's going to be fine. Yeah. In eighteen sixty-seven, uh, this journalist William Dixon, with the excellent billiards description earlier, yeah. um, he visits um, and he describes it as a dozen ardent clergymen. Oh, I forgot what did I do a voice for him before. I did. It was, it was my... a, a dozen ardent. <laughs> I'll do the voice again. It's a bit lispy. A dozen ardent clergymen shut themselves up in a garden, surrounded themselves with beautiful women, waiting for the world to be damned, playing billiards in what was their chapel. So the billiard table's still there. Yeah. Still in use. Just a bit sticky now. <laughs> John just pulled a horrible face. I'm sorry for that joke. And he starts naming his remaining followers grand titles like Anointed Ones. I mean, they're all a bit Freudian. Anointed Ones. Yeah. Um, angel of the Last Trumpet. Ooh, uh, Mrs. I'll be Angel of Your Last Trumpet. Yeah, I bet you will. Oh, um, and he's still the magical lamb or whatever he's being called. Yep. Yeah. And he's going, you know, he's getting into his sort of 60s and 70s now. Yeah. 1899 comes around. And despite saying that he would live forever, Henry dies. Um, uh, and they don't really know what to do about that because yeah. they were expecting him to live forever. So they bury him in the garden, standing upright, so that when Judgment Day happens in a couple of years' time, he'll be like standing and ready. He won't have to sit up or anything. <laughs> that would be so inconvenient. God finally oh, You don't want to be up. caught lying down when God comes back. A few years before this, another Anglican clergyman called John Hugh Smith Piggott. Lovely. Had joined. Um, and he effectively now takes over. Okay. He becomes the new leader. Again, once Henry's gone, loads of people leave again. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they've that's had his, the, the rug happens. pulled out from under them. So he joins. And the first thing that he does is finish this project. They've started to build the Church of the Ark of the Covenant in Clapton in London. Yeah. Um, and he's there preaching. And he recruits with the help of his secretary, 50 young female followers. Excellent. Can you see where this is going? I can see where it's going. There's um, a wheel coming back. In September of 1902, he gives a sermon in this church in yeah. London. Ah, so Queen Victoria's gone now. Yep, where he says, um, I'm not going to do a voice for this one, God isn't here. In the church? God is here. And he points at himself. Oh, okay. God isn't so in God the isn't church. So God isn't here. In heaven. God, God is, is here. Him. I am the new Jesus. I am the Messiah. That's why I figured out. Just as Henry was the Holy Spirit made flesh. Ah, uh, okay. I am Jebus made flesh. I see. That is slightly controversial. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, a riot breaks out amongst the congregation. A riot. In the church. Okay. And once that kicks off, supposedly 3,000 protesters <laughs> gather outside and they kick off and join this riot, either because they just enjoy joining riots yeah. or because they've heard about this um, Person scandalous Jesus. Yeah. yeah, Messiah. 
So that kicks off. Again, there are only scant details, Mm -hmm. except one of the rumours is that as that unfolds, allegedly it culminated in Smith Piggott trying and failing to walk on water on Clapham Pond. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. So he's caused a riot by claiming to be Jesus. He goes, no, I am. I'm going to walk on this pond. (laughs) Presumably straight away, (laughs) plunges into the water. And so he has to get the hell out of Dodge. He has to leave and go back to... um, to Spaxton. And he has to be right. taken out under armed guard because people want to kill him. kill him. So this becomes quite big news. Oh, I wish I could have watched yeah. that. that. Just the, the confidence just man. before, yeah. presumably in his, you know, holy Tides. garb. Yeah. Splash. <laughs> so now we're going to briefly um, head over to another part of the world. Yeah. To a different religious group. I'm not going to take it personally, listeners, but Sam just really <laughs> yawned. Um, Sorry. So we're going to head to a different group uh, overseas now, the uh, Ahmadiyya Movement, which is a branch of Islam, controversial branch of Islam, right. where its founder, uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, uh, announces that he is the new um, Islamic Mahdi and the new Messiah in one. He's the new you know, prophet on earth. Okay, we can't have two messiahs at the same time. Well, so what he starts doing, this um, uh, Ghulam Ahmed, is writing to all the other self-proclaimed messiahs in the world, telling them to cut it out, because he's <laughs> the real one. Oh, amazing. There's some sort of, like, um, psychological test where they put two people who believe they're Jesus in the same asylum, isn't there? Yes, there, was a, there were two cases where... Um, in the first asylum, they put three women who believed they were the Virgin Mary together, and basically yeah. they talked themselves out of it. Yeah. And then they tried it with two or three men who thought they were Jesus, and it only made them believe it more by putting them together. Yeah. Because they thought maybe that would be a good therapy for, but it was like that one instance it sort of worked. Yeah. So this is from uh, the the scriptures of this um, uh, prophet. Um, Ghulam Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The promised Messiah prayed about Pigot, a priest of London who had claimed to be God, and saw in a dream some books on which were written three times, holy, 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 and then he received a revelation in Arabic, Allah is severe in retribution, they, Pigot, are not acting righteously. The promised Messiah explained this as meaning that Pigot was in a bad way, and would not repent, and would not believe in God. This is also the indication that his claiming to be God is an evil thing, and that he will be afflicted with God's chastisement. It is very daring to claim to be God. And basically what he says is, if you carry on claiming to be God while I'm here and alive, you're going to die, mate. Well, yeah, that's almost definitely true. Um. Part of the beliefs of that group is that then Piggott was like, no, okay, yeah, you're right, I'm not God, I'll just go away. But he didn't really do that. No. (laughs) Um, So all of this spiritual bride stuff is still going on. Virginity is really important for recruiting new members now. Although remember, everybody that's supposed to be saved is already saved and damned, so why are you recruiting? Um, So in 1905, he's already married. His uh, legal wife, Catherine... It's there by his side, and he decides he needs a new second spiritual wife. Okay. 
Um, but only spiritual, completely chaste, so nothing wrong there. He doesn't need to have a virgin for that. So okay. she's called Ruth. She gives birth to three of his children, yeah. um, who are named Glory, Power, and Life. They're awesome names. <laughs> Hello, nice to meet you. My name's Power. Power. Ooh. Power Nash. That's what I'm going to call my children. Life Nash. Life. Glory Nash. Glory Lund. No, doesn't work. Power Lund. No, 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 Powerland! I like it. Um, so, yes, so he's now having these children with his two wives, right. spiritual wife. Okay. Um, he's described as, uh, if not a sexual maniac, then obsessed with sex. Still living in the abode of love. Yeah, with all his young lady followers. Mm-hmm. Um, at around this time, there's more controversy in the group. An ex-member who's been sort of kicked out and targeted by the group mm-hmm. um, becomes an alcoholic and she drowns herself in Clapton. And oh. people start to spread a message that Piggott's teachings and control of this group is really dangerous. Yeah. Um, at around this time, one of the other senior people in the group is now Sister Eve Patterson who will remember is the product the of the billiard yeah. sex. So she's now one of its high-up okay. ranking members. Um, At what, in her 20s or something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1905, yeah, I guess so. Um, Pigger is banned from preaching at this point. The Anglican <laughs> Church go... Oh, my God, I forgot they were still associated with the Anglican Church. Yeah. Well, he's sort of... Piggott Smith still is, yeah. but he's now also running this cult. Mm-hmm. So the church are like, you need to shut up, mate. Right, yeah. Basically, people are upset about. So he's not unfrocked, um, hence this uh, Telegraph Press Association title of their article John Smith Piggott, not unfrocked. <laughs> um, London, yeah. the 28th of January. Great surprise has been expressed that uh, Dr. Kenyon, Bishop of Bath and Wells, has only deprived John Smith Piggott of Agapony fame, of a charge, and has not unfrocked him. The message received last week stated that the bishop had taken proceedings to the court for the expulsion of Piggott on the ground that he was leading an immoral and sinful life. Mm-hmm. The chancellor, it was reported, declared the charges proved, but they only stopped him from preaching. They didn't kick him out. Okay. People were pissed off about that. I'm sure. So... I don't know whether it's the same angry mob from Clapton. Uh, they rock up in Spaxton. Yeah. Uh, determine that they're going to tar and feather John Piggott Smith. Oh, goodness. But he's not there. Is it Piggott Smith, like the uh, Lib Dem person, or is it Smith Piggott? Oh, Smith Piggott, sorry. Piggott. Okay. I'm getting it around the wrong way. Maybe they're related. There can't be that many Piggott Smith family alliances, can there? Who knows? Who can say? Um... Fortunately, his secretary, Charles Stoke Reed, had told him, maybe you should go to Norway for a bit oh, now yeah, that you've casual. been in court and there's a bit of heat. Yeah. So he's in Norway, so they attack Reed, his secretary, instead and tar and feather him. Oh, and no. it's speculated that that's one of the reasons that he dies a year later, Reed does. Yeah, that's not surprising, covered in hot tar and feathers. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, so Smith Piggott um, dies in 1927. Wow! And basically, from then, the group just starts to really lose members and lose yeah. members and decline. Um, so that the last member is Ruth, his second spiritual wife. Yeah. Um, 
and she dies in 1956. Wow. And that's the end of the the sex cult, and it's two very suspect men. Yeah. Um, and their their control over. Oh goodness um, me. The group. So there are some. Um, I've just got a sorted weirdness now. Yay! In no particular weirdness. order. Yeah. Um, so the house is sold off, all the cottages and the chapel. Right. Um, the chapel is converted into a studio for TV filming. <gasps> What's been filmed there, John? You're not going to guess. What do you think has been filmed in this chapel? It doesn't look like a chapel when they film it, if that helps. Uh, oh, what year are we in now? 60s? Yeah, so yeah, into the 60s, basically. It's so a children's Street. TV oh, no. thing. Blue Peter? No. Uh, no, I don't know. Go on. Pew, pew, Barney McGrew, Cuthbert, Cuthbert Dibble, Dibble and Graham. So Trumpton is filmed in the studio that used to be this chapel Trumpton with the billiard sex table. Oh my gosh. Um, and Candlewick Green, those two children. Yeah. They're filmed in that studio. Oh my goodness. For any non-UK listeners, please go and check out the opening scenes for Trumpton. Yeah. Because it's such a massive... It's like this little town full of these little wooden puppets, yeah. I guess. And famously, there's a description of the different people that live in the town. And, oh God, is it the fire? Yeah, the, the, the firefighting fire teams? Yeah. Are Pew Pew, Barney Bunny McGrew, McGrew Cuthbert Dibble and Grub. <laughs> the church in London, um, at some point, and I'd love to find out more about this, is taken on by a man whose his entire family has died. So he right. sets up a spiritualist organisation in that church okay. for a very long time, which is kind of interesting. So it goes to a different religious sort of sect. Yeah. And then in 2010, it's sold to the Georgian Orthodox Church. Oh. Because I guess with London and yeah. population, that's a, uh, they, they need a home. So they sell it for £1 million. <gasps> pounds. At this point, the six grandchildren of Smith Piggott sue that that money should go to them because sort of somehow in the legal stipulation yeah. it's like the money should go to the continuation of the Agapamonites who don't yeah. exist anymore and they're like well that we're the closest we're the thing, thing. Yeah. Um, but the judge is like no that's that's not what it means yeah you don't just randomly get money because your ancestor claimed to be Jesus here yeah. um, so the money goes to the charity commission and gets spent on Charities. I think Christian th- a bit like with um with the Panacea Society, where the yeah. money then has to go to something vaguely Christian, as if it's continuing right. some of the groups. Okay. <laughs> um, so while, and then this is just going to be really scattergun. So while you're in the abode of love, yeah. um, at the start of a service, you have to greet Henry Prince by shouting, All hail thou King of Glory! All hail thou King of Glory! Um, which again is not is not suspect in any way, um, and you have to you know you can really only read his writings. He composes the hymns, all the Ooh. sermons are him. Yeah. So like with the kittens, everything becomes like oh look I've made this song ah. and I've made this read of writing and read my book on this. Yeah. It's like massively you know there's not a group of people writing of it. It's all him. All that one yeah. all the time. Um, I also have here from his writings um, his description of sex with Zoe on the billiard table. It's right. not graphic, don't worry. It's just weird. I'm sure it's going to be really erotic. Um, again, I don't know if I did a voice for him. I'll do it in, um, in do the, it. the just... reverend voice. Thus, the Holy Ghost took flesh 
in the presence of those whom he had called as flesh, he took this flesh absolutely in his sovereign will and with the power and authority of God. Which, as Pillow Talk goes, is pretty freaking creepy. Other weird um, uh, things. In 1976, Mm -hmm. uh, this Bridgewater uh, local author, uh, Charles Mander, writes a book called The Reverend Prince and His Abode of Love about the group. And he turns it into a play for Bridgewater Youth Theatre to perform. Oh, no! Take out the scene on the billiards table. Uh, that's that's sort of fairly prominently uh, in the show. Um, it's banned as being blasphemous by the principal of Bridgewater College, who is like, right. this is blasphemous and you're not putting it on with a youth theatre. Yeah. Pipe down. Fine. Um, so it takes a little bit of time, but in 1981, Sheep Worrying Theatre Group which is an amazing name for a theatre company. Sheep worrying. Um, who are basically made up of ex-members of that youth theatre, go, oh, wow. no, we do want to put it on because it's got songs and everything. Okay. Um, I would play it if I didn't think it was copyright. There's one song called Sin and Sodomy that's like lots of Victorian ladies going, Sin and Sodomy, la 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> so they put on this this play, which which exists and is around, but amazing. is banned for being blasphemous. And uh, I'm going to leave the story with two quotes, uh, one by Charles Mander and then another one. So, uh, the story of Henry James Prince is a joyful outrage against the Victorian establishment, Victorian morals, and Victorian hypocrisy, a real Victorian con-trick. That's what he says about the group. Again, sort of doing the mixed thing about going like, well, maybe there's some good stuff about the fact they were doing their own thing, but also basically it's a don't think you can fairly say that it's exempt from Victorian hypocrisy with the whole spiritual wifery, needing a virgin, but having sex yeah. with them anyway. Well, I guess it's going like... The bigamy sort you of know, stuff. It's that weird Victorian thing that they were so keen on portraying themselves as being, you know, sexless, Holy, and yeah. uh, but, you know, uh, more than at other points in history, there was loads of dodgy stuff going on yeah. beneath the circus. So I suppose at least they're being open, I mean, on the billiards table. Um, oh, about it. Um, I was going to make some sort of pocket joke, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, don't. Um, and then this final quote is from Audless Huxley of oh, Brave yeah. New World, Brave who New wrote World. an essay which, when he talked about this group amongst others. Um, there is no dogma so queer, no behaviour so eccentric, or even outrageous, but a group of people can be found that will think it divinely inspired. Wow, yeah. Which is true. Yeah. As we're learning with these groups, there's nothing too bonkers where there no. won't be some people who go, oh, what, sex with a virgin on a billiard table while we sing hymns? Great. Yeah, hymns that you've composed. <laughs> oh, God, I bet it was. Oh. A really sexy hymn. Oh, I can't think of any hymns now. He's got the whole virgin <laughs> in his hands. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. So that... Is uh, the abode of love? Wow, the A. Thanks, John. Um, thank you. Um, I'm going to do a quick shout out to my sources. I read quite a few. The key ones that I've drawn on. Um, there's a great local um, historian called Joshua J. I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, Schweiso, um, who's written several times in the Somerset Archaeology and Natural History Journal uh-huh. um, about the group. Uh, his particular article, the founding of the uh, Agapemini at Spaxton, 
had lots of really good information that other places didn't have about the start of price. Um, there's a great article um, on www.headstuff.org. Mm-hmm. They have a series of articles called Terrible People from History. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and uh, Prince and Smith Piggott are two so of their choices. Going back to that source again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and victorianweb.org also has some good things. Um, the granddaughter of life. Okay. Um, Kate Barlow has also written a book about her memories of the group. Because wow. basically by the time she was a child, there were all these old women who vaguely, you know, knew and remembered the group. Yeah. But didn't. So she talks about her experience of sort of starting to grow up in that group. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, Kate Barlow's done. And there's a there are several interviews with her online that you can listen to, which is how I know how to pronounce it properly, because I would have had no idea. No, no. Otherwise. It's got an extraordinary spelling. Agapemony. Okay. Wow. So here we go, Victorian sex cult. Victorian sex cult. That's another really good rock band name. Oh yeah, (laughs) great. Add that to the list. Yes, copyright. So there was an awkward silence. So I guess that's the the end of uh, episode six. Episode six. Well done us. Well done us, Uh, and well done you, listener. If you've stuck with us through six episodes, I hope you have. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please. rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell your creepy friend who likes podcasts about us too. yes please do um you can find us uh, online at facebook on twitter and on instagram always at coffee and cults if there's a particular group you'd like us to look at another time then email us at coffee and cults at gmail.com or if you've got any feedback for what we've done so far send us an email we'd love to hear from you uh Please, if you enjoy what we do, let other people know about it. Um, we're really excited that there are people that are listening uh, to this, particularly yeah. um, Phoenixville in yeah. America. Shout like, out to Phoenixville, wherever Like you are. 50 of you in this one American town are listening to us. Um, so thank you, particularly. I mean, we're grateful wherever you're from, but particularly the strong community representing yeah. in that town. Thanks for being on board. Um, that's it. Thank you. Uh, We'll see you another time. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cause we've been. We found out that I was actually getting a two-inch by two.